0: Recorders, today is a very special episode where we are interviewing Meno from Warcave Studios. The upcoming game is Black Legend. Uh it looks to be like an amazing game. Graphics and detail are on point so far. Really excited for its release. Um and today on the panel with me is Dreadpool.
1: Hey, how's it going everybody?
0: Uh Flamish? Hello. And Menno, what's going on, Menno? Hello. Good evening. Um, did I say your name right?
2: <laughs> yep. Perfect.
0: Okay. Okay. Yeah. I know sometimes when I talk to Flemish, he tells me that I can't say his name. It's a running joke because I can't speak like Flemish or any dialect of uh, Dutch. So I go, Gregory Goeverts, And he's like, no, no, that's wrong.
2: So yeah, it's a good thing that we skipped the last name. I should say.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a running joke here. Um, it's just the accent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, um, no. Tell us a little bit about you. Um. By the way, clowns were not live. I don't know. No, we are now. Think. Oh, sorry.
1: Yeah, okay. I had to refresh.
2: Uh, I don't really talk much about myself. Uh, I guess within Warcave, I am currently the games director and uh, designer, as well as overall writer and helping with uh, QA a bit, as well as uh, marketing. So, a bunch of stuff going on because it's a small company, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, it's uh. This is about my main tasks.
3: Okay, and how many people do work at War Cave?
2: Uh, currently, the team is seven.
0: Hmm. Well, okay. that is a that is a I would say that's a small team, and from what I'm seeing uh, on the demo already, it's amazing what you guys have accomplished.
2: Uh, yeah, we. <laughs> This month, we celebrated our one-year development anniversary. And uh, yeah, as we're, we're going through uh, the feedback we're getting on the demo, uh, it's kind of a mix. Some people really seem to enjoy it. Others have very high expectations for the game. And it's it's not too clear sometimes that we're a, a very small team.
1: I, I guess that's part of the double-edged sword is where you know expectations are always high when, when you got good you know fans that like something but don't understand where you're going with it and they want to take it somewhere else.
2: Uh, it's it's a mixture of things. Uh, we think it's probably the the emphasis on a more realistic art style this time. Uh, last time with War Party, we went for more uh, stylized graphics and it just screamed indie. Whereas uh, this time we we've got some new artists uh, who really wanted to go for the more realistic approach. And obviously that creates a more polished looking product, more professional looking, but that will also increase the uh, expectations people have.
1: So, um, you brought up War party mm-hmm. and now when you guys did that and then you moved to this. Uh, how much of it did you learn from experience and, and, to, and bring it over into uh, this game?
2: Uh, quite a bit, and at the same time we, we left some stuff behind. Um, one of the the bigger things we decided early on was we wanted to just focus on a solid single player experience this time. Um, with War Party, the multiplayer easily took up 50% of the development. And we had to change a lot of things, make sure that uh, people, for example, requested the uh, rank matchmaking. We had to make sure that they got dedicated service for that so there couldn't be any cheating. Uh, people asked for a leaderboard, which we all implemented in the end, but we just noticed the the time we, we spent on uh creating a solid multiplayer experience in the end uh it it took away a lot of time from the single player so uh this time we said okay let's just make a solid single player experience this time make sure that is that's all proper that we can can have a an interesting story uh another big change was the engine so uh, War Party was made with Unity. And for this project, uh, we've decided to, to switch to Unreal, mostly for the sake of our artists, because they, they felt more comfortable in Unreal. Uh, and for design, it's just nice to uh, work with their Blueprint system. So that's something else we, we picked up along the way. Yeah, the, those are some of the things uh, that we carry on from War Party's legacy.
1: With you brought up Unreal with with that. Are you going to be looking at upgrading the graphics when Unreal Five comes out next year? Because uh, I know it's a s- seamless transition. They say
2: it's something we're going to have to look at in the moment itself. It's not something we, we've decided on already.
1: Kay. The reason I ask is, I, it kind of it was a predecessor to. I know it's on current gen systems. Uh, would there be, you know, with that, could there be any uh, enhancements or versions for the series S or X or even the PS5? Uh,
2: again, can't really say much about it. We okay. were all keeping our eyes on Unreal 5 and we're all individually excited for different things. Our programmers, our artists, they're all looking at the new features. But uh we're gonna have to look at the success of the base game first and see if it's worth it to to upgrade it,
0: okay,
1: I guess uh you know I am the prize versus I am this guy
0: mm-hmm. so uh Medo, when you guys come to think about a video game and con- you know you know the concept of the design um what made you guys think of Black Legend? Was there some type of maybe like story you wanted to tell or myth or something that inspired the game?
2: Uh, yeah, the, so the entire team is part of the, the whole creation process. It's not just uh, a director and the producer sitting around and saying we're going to make this and then taking it down. It's it's big team meeting and for the main inspiration at some point we it's mostly me and the the main artist for both uh, dutchies and we were discussing something i think most belgians will probably know it as well uh the efteling which is a dutch theme park which is incredibly popular over there yeah and the whole theme of the theme park is fairy tales being uh, changed to all these kinds of attractions and just telling the stories and that had a very profound impact on us as as kids and we sort of combined that with uh the witch here free which is a bit of a curveball I'm throwing here I know but um we we knew that the the witch here did something for Polish folklore that we wanted to do with the Dutch folklore and the Belgian one Uh, A lot of their mythology and their their culture was sort of presented through the Witcher series. Our thought process was, well, why can't we do that with Dutch culture? We have a bunch of interesting stories that uh, people from all over the world have never heard of. And it would be a shame not to share them. And what better way to do it than through a video game? And that's kind of how Black Legend started. We just jumped into these archives of uh, Belgium and Dutch and some German folklore and just started searching and digging for for interesting stuff.
0: That is kind of interesting. I always like stuff like that because, you know, there's when it comes to folklore, there's always a lot of inspiration behind that, and every country, every culture has their own type of folklore. And, you know games is a great way to get that across I think as somebody who lives in America I would know nothing about Dutch or European folklore um the way that you know that it was told or um explained to everyone over there so it's really fun to experience it kind of like that like in a game and it always makes me excited it's one reason why I was excited about The Witcher I'm excited about Assassin's Creed Valhalla for the same reasons and I think that your game speaks to me, uh, just from what I've seen, because this is the kind of stuff that I'm really into. Like, I, this is what I really love about culture.
2: Yeah, it's. Uh, they always say try to make the games you yourself want to play. And if I look back at my own game history, um, I know all my uh, Greek. Uh, mythology and Norse mythology and some Egyptian mythology just by playing Age of Mythology and reading all the the description texts of the units. Uh, A lot of history I know, not from books but from Age of Empires, just playing them. Um, That's the kind of experience I wanted to do here where I wanted people to go how on earth did people come up with this stuff Then I know I've done my job correctly because I've shown them something they don't know yet.
3: Yeah, so um, I was actually playing the game a little bit earlier today. Uh, That's what you're seeing on the show as well, like uh, in the the background playing. Um, And it it was very interesting how the combat system works in the game. Um, And when, when I was going through the game, it has like that eerie vibe that you have like all the time going on. And all of a sudden you hear like a woman screaming in the background like she's getting killed or something. <laughs> yeah. um, it, was it a design choice to go like this very dark theme or um, was it more to do with the folklore, how you want to...
2: uh, it? It's a bit of both. Um, our lead artist and I are both big uh, Dark Souls fan and that includes uh, Bloodborne, Sekiro, uh, those kinds of games. Um, Me mostly for the gameplay, him mostly for the atmosphere. And that was definitely a big inspiration for us to to go that more dark way. Uh, And it just fits incredibly nicely with the dark themes of a lot of folklore. Um, We're talking big scary monsters. What better setting than a dark city uh completely covered in fog with uh with cultists dragging people out of their homes that you can hear in the distance so yeah yeah
3: (laughs) yeah it is interesting like um i don't know much of the folklore here in belgium so (laughs) it's interesting for me as well like um to to go to this game and probably have some uh things like come up from my even my own uh country and 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 of course uh, the netherlands because i yeah i don't know that uh about that uh, folklore um um t- yeah um can someone take over sorry oh that's okay um
0: okay. so okay oh i'm sorry go ahead, Jared, go ahead.
1: well i was gonna say because you were talking about the folklore and you know, we're where Clowns and I are, we're, we're close to Disney where he took it and made it magical. And it, it's it's funny how you can change history when it comes to folklore that you come to find out when you start reading some of these books uh, of the fairy tales. And they're nothing like they, they are Disney-wise. Um, how much of that, I don't know if I missed it, but how much of that has been changed? in your rendition. Uh,
2: the, the, problem with folklore just to begin with is every region usually has its own interpretation of it. And, uh, yeah, during the, the entire development and just looking for inspiration, uh, you, you, you go into multiple sources and sometimes you find the same monster under a different name. Uh, sometimes you find the same phenomenon being described with widely different different topics um we're currently running a uh, restream on our steam page about the the white wives which is uh dutch folklore for example they said in one story they're these departed spirits of wives who had unfaithful husbands uh, in another they're the they're describing the exact same creature, but uh, in this case, they're they're herbalists that have moved on and are trying to to help people. And it's just a completely opposite thing where they go out of their way to help travelers as opposed to brutally murdering them. So in that sense, we we pick what's most interesting at the time Uh, and kind of thinking like, what do we need for our game, which is quite nice to have that flexibility. And yet to go back to the Disney thing, his biggest, um, I guess, concern was making it uh, friendly for a wide audience, in a sense. Uh, a lot of Disney movies have been adapted to be be more child-friendly, and we're not restricted by that. So we definitely wanted to stick to the, the most interesting story as closely as we could, and then adapt it to to the video game a bit, but not too much, I would say. Okay. Hmm.
0: Now, when it's a small studio, um, you know, like the amount of the sets that you have, do you guys do your own voice acting, or do you hire? Do you still hire outside voice actors? How does that all work when it comes to the? From design to concept uh, in a small studio like yours. Uh,
2: during the prototyping stage, uh, we we uh, we I mean I just did so a few voice lines just to get the atmosphere going. But in the end, we did uh, get professional voice actors because they're way more reliable. They have dedicated professional equipment uh, to do everything, and overall, they're trained actors. They can put some emotion in there they can completely go up in this role, which is how we uh, went through our list of entries of people who wanted to audition for the for the voice acting we went for the people that didn't just read the lines, but actually put some emotion in there. Uh, And that's how that's one thing we outsourced Um, sometimes if things get too crazy, we're, we're looking at maybe some outsider artists that can jump in here and there. Uh, but most of the stuff we try to do uh, as much in-house as possible just because of the extra communication and control.
1: Now, speaking of that, uh, I see that you do have some positions open. Is that to help uh, finish off the game, or, or is it for the next game that you guys are working on? Is uh, there a next game?
2: There there will be a next game. Uh, it's a bit unclear what the plans are right now uh, because Black Legend is sort of our first bigger IP and it's completely original. We're still waiting for uh, how it will be received. If we notice that it's doing well and people want more, then we can always say, OK, let's maybe make an expansion DLC. Uh, if we notice that it's doing well enough, but we, we have this amazing idea, and we want to go for that, then that will be the direction we're headed. Um, as for the team expanding, that is just something the the company wants to do, is to just keep on growing and take on bigger projects.
3: OK. Um, so- uh, can I? Or? <laughs> yeah, sure. Go ahead. Okay. So yeah, um I, I was thinking about the company itself. Like I see it founded in 2017, right? Uh, like how came did it came together? Is like with friends or um, is it more like
2: uh um another way? Uh that would be a question for Stephen. <laughs> he's oh. uh he's a producer, he's the CEO. Uh
3: okay.
1: So how did you come about? then if we could twist the question cuz flymish ended up asking one of my questions
2: uh so the the company began as far as i'm aware um when i joined the team there were four people working on war party and i applied for a programming job originally at which point a few months later i got the mail back saying um because when I applied, I said, look, I can program. Uh, I, I had a degree in programming, but I prefer design. That, that's my thing. Uh, I, I like to be a designer with some uh, programming, being capable of doing some programming. And then a few months later, I got a mail back that just said, hey, uh, could you come over again? Because uh, we're actually in need of a designer right now. And from there, we were part of it was over a few quite a bit into development so I helped finish off that project and then for Black Legend I was sort of assigned uh, the role of director to uh because of how close design and art and programming is sort of this central position. Um yeah, that's how I came to be uh at my current position in uh at Warcave.
1: Okay, thank you. And so it's always interesting how, you know, people get their positions or their roles in their companies, you know, because, you never it's never a straight line in. There's always, you know, well, you know, I I do this, too, and somehow everything falls into place.
2: Uh, A team of this size, um, you kind of have to expect to wear multiple hats until... the The whole company has grown enough to a point where everything can just be divided appropriately, but until then, uh, most of us know that this is the way forward.
0: Now, when you uh, with this game and the design in mind, um, I know that you're still probably a little bit off uh, from release or or full release, but Mm -hmm. Any thoughts already of like a sequel or a spin off uh
2: I would be very excited for it, but uh, that is unfortunately not up to me <laughs> uh as I said uh, Steven is our producer, and uh he said the same like for for this is all very exciting and new for us in the sense that it's it's our first bigger i p um and for just Want to release it first, make sure that it's the absolute best it can be, and then from there on, we'll uh, either move on to a new project or we'll expand further on Black Legend. It's it's too early to say at this point.
0: Okay. Okay. Um. um oh, go ahead, for
2: No, 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 too.
0: As far as musical score or music in the game or sounds. Have you thought uh is that like going to be all in-house or is any of it going to be um like outside studios helping with that?
2: Uh so the the entire soundtrack so far has been uh, provided from uh an outside source. Uh unfortunately, it's <laughs> uh he, he has a very difficult name for me to pronounce. I'm actually going to try to uh Find that out, uh, but yeah, we we've outsourced the music to to an actual composer uh, because we don't have anyone in house with enough uh, experience with audio to to make it there. And uh, when we got the the first files back, we were incredibly pleased. And yeah, well,
0: that's kind of awesome. Um... It's just I don't know when I look at stuff like this early you know earlier in development it's really cool to see the whole concept uh from initial stages to end stages and I'm sure it's also very exciting for all of you at the studio as well it's like you ever feel like uh wow we got so far already it, like you ever have those moments where everybody's just like so happy that um things are things are working or Everybody's was like yes we got it this far so far You know any exciting moments like that in the studio
2: uh definitely but usually after a prolonged period of stress where we try to meet deadlines (laughs) uh like we're, we're very happy that we got the demo out but the weeks leading up to that are usually uh just us being perfectionists going through everything testing and trying to make sure that it's the best experience possible and then when it's finally out there, there's that breath of relief, like, OK, we did it. Uh, yeah, it's a bit of a, a wave that goes up and down. But the, the highs are definitely higher than the, the lowest lows.
3: I mean, I, I want to say it shows. Your demo is really well done. Um, I, I don't see like any bugs whatsoever in the time that I played it so far, uh, which is almost an hour um and i was thinking like because you're like seven people now right that you said before um is there like any difficulties with working with such a small team at the moment or
2: um um as i described earlier uh, not a lot of people seem to be aware of our team size and we we get these big expectations, but we're trying to uh, not let it get to us in the sense that we're hoping that interviews like these and as uh, more outlets are reporting on the game, that they kind of ask a question like, hey, how big are you guys that we can show off the the amount of quality that we've reached within a fairly short amount of time with only seven people. Uh, It's just something we're proud of, and at the same time, Having a smaller team does mean that these big ideas that we had at the start, eventually you're going to have to kill some of your darlings in any project where you have this great idea and you want to add it and you wish you could. But there's just something about a small team size that just limits you from doing that. And the best thing that we can do in those cases is we always make sure that we save it to a list for, for future use or anything else uh and just hope that we can at some point either in a sequel or in a dlc implement it that way uh, but until then we were all very realistic about what we can and can't do
3: okay and do you also experience like crunch you, you, i know it's a thing in the industry we heard many things about it do you experience it yourself in the in uh, the company
2: uh well, we, we differentiate between what is regular overtime that just gets compensated and uh, the horror stories we hear from crunch in uh, the United States, for example, where you get called out of your bed at 3 a.m. and you're being told you have to work for free or you won't get a promotion. By the way, there's pizza. Uh, those circumstances absolutely do not happen here. Um, so we we do occasionally do a bit of overtime, but it's nowhere near the yeah, the the atrocities. There is no other word for it. Sometimes uh, yeah. that goes on in uh, in the states, for example.
1: Yeah, I think when people hear crunch, they they think of the worst case scenario, and, and uh, you know when you have heart in in your game that you're building or a part of most people are willing to do stuff like that even if they aren't compensated just because they are too locked into you know the the project as if it's cuz it is you know when you're a smaller business or a studio you're more in, in tune with it as it's part of you versus you're just a cog in the wheel mm-hmm. so um, that with that how how is the the current pandemic affecting you guys with all this, because everybody's, you know, got different hurdles when it comes to the pandemic and, and social distancing and and making sure you guys are safe. Uh, how how is how is it affecting you and and the game?
2: Well, so far it's been twice that uh, I believe for in a once was a bit, uh, one and a half months I think. Second time was only one month where. Uh, teleworking became mandatory, Uh, so we all went to the office, we picked up our PCs, we took them home, and we just continued. Uh, And we're all, I think, I can't speak for everyone, but I'm very grateful that I'm in a a position where I can just work from home and continue working on the game, making sure that it doesn't fall behind. Uh, Obviously, none of us planned this. Uh, or could plan for this in terms of the game scope, but so far, if we look at our schedules and what we've done to to handle COVID, uh, all I can say is we're, we're pretty proud of being able to to still reduce uh, any holdups to a minimum. Uh, we what we miss most is the just the direct office uh, communication. Uh, where it's just easier to to walk up to someone and give feedback on things rather than uh, send the constant back and forth stream of pictures. Uh, But yeah, all in all, we're we're dealing with it as best we can and uh, trying to minimize delays as much as possible. Well, it seems Um,
1: like you guys have good communication, even with the distancing. So, But you're right, I, I, I do know in my field, you know, walking up to somebody, showing them physically what happens or how it's happening is easier than just, you know, jotting, trying to jot down some words. And hopefully the interpretation is read the same way you wrote it. And then with a the still image, and it, it, some, you know, it doesn't come across the same. So it, it seems like you guys are handling it very well.
2: Discord and... has been a great boon uh, during the, the lockdown periods. I've, saw, I've seen two of our environment artists just chill in our uh, voice channel on uh, Discord and screen sharing, just continuously showing each other their work and sometimes working together side by side.
1: You know, I've heard that as a, as a tool also to, for, for first time, uh, work at home um, employees to be on a conference call, even though you're not really on a conference call, just so you have another co-worker with you. So you can just kind of converse back and forth because it's about work and kind of feel like you're at work without actually being there. And then, you know, obviously, like you said, with Discord screen sharing, so you can actually see where the other person's at and kind of glance over and give them some information. So that that's Obviously, tools are the trade, right? You, you use what you have and and you make use of it the best you can, yeah.
0: um there's some things that I wanted to say first. Uh, one I wanted to address. Uh, I know that Flemish and Dreadpool um, talked a little bit about crunch, but i I want to say that, Mennow, I agree with you. I think that you know there's a big misconception uh, when Americans talk about Crunch and then look at over you know overseas studios and you see these American journalists always point you know, to overseas studios saying that crunch is terrible and this and that, but what they don't realize is that Europe in itself has probably stricter laws um, in, in favor of employees versus the United States. And I've worked at a company here in the United States where it's a big corporation and we were forced to do overtime. Uh, and then they get around it by uh, in America, they what they call uh, if they put us like on a salary uh, and then once we're on a salary, we can they can force us to basically work as long as they want us to work uh, if we want our job. So you are 100 percent correct in saying that, you know, it's it's worse in America. Um, I think that journalists just use it as a clickbait thing and and try to get. You know everybody all hyped up but i think that european studios in general are a lot better and treat their employees more fair uh than most american studios
2: yeah i think it's definitely more of a, a country-based thing because not all of europe is exempt from from uh being prone to crunch and it's certainly not just the game industry but just being able to unionize uh, i don't know belgium alone as Uh, I believe three major uh, public unions that you can just join at any point. And if there's some shenanigans going on at any job, you can just always call upon them to to assist you in making sure that the law gets respected.
0: That's amazing. That's actually good to know because I'm sure there's a lot of people um, outside of uh, Belgium have no idea that there's laws like that that exist to protect uh, employees in general. So it's good to hear that. Um And the second thing I want to say is that uh, I know with um, COVID going on, it's it's probably a lot harder to get work done because there's mandatory times where you probably can't have um, social contact. But when you guys are actually able to get in the studio, do you find that being a smaller team set, like seven employees, do you find it easier to, like, Go up to another person's computer and be like, "This is how you would do this," or "Here's how we would do this," or "Hey, I have an idea. Let's fix this." Like, is it a
2: lot easier? You think in a smaller studio? Uh, definitely. When the the new regulations uh, went in, we we changed our desks so that everybody is just by default has a bigger distance from everyone. Uh, at lunchtime, the old tables have been, this is part of the entire building, uh, not just our studio, but all the tables have been set apart uh, to make sure social distancing is being respected. When you enter the building, there's uh, disinfectant that's mandatory. Every Everyone received like well, a tissues, uh, a small bottle of disinfectant, uh, and a mask uh, straight up from the building administration. Everything is being done to to prevent an outbreak or just contamination in general and we we respect those rules we keep our distance even if we go to someone's pcs we're not going to touch their keyboards all over and uh move their mouse or anything we, we keep a safe distance and just look uh, far beyond from over the shoulder while they show us uh what they're working on so yeah that it's definitely different from before but we feel like being a smaller studio and just having the space that we have right now, we can uh, just follow the basic rules up very easily.
0: Yeah, and I, I would imagine being in a smaller studio too, it's easier to get you know, help or help someone else. Because it, I picture, you know, if I was to picture myself as a developer or someone in a studio, and I, let's say I was a, a developer, like on the third floor of a big corporation, and I needed help from a visual artist that maybe was like on the second floor, I'd feel like it'd be such a pain to go back and forth. Whereas a like a smaller studio is probably so much easier um just to to explain and get up and and give ideas.
2: Yep, uh definitely.
1: Now can I ask how how you guys came up with the design of the game to, to I mean, like you, you talked about before, you know, with War Party, you know, being an RTS and Black Legend being uh, like a single player RPG, I want to say strategy RPG, something like that, right? Yep. Uh, how, how did you come up from concept to sitting down and, and drawing out the lore and, and going through to... Where we're at now with the gameplay
2: uh and this is a bit of recollection for me so the the whole process of uh wanting to share dutch and belgium folklore with the rest of the world we got around together like okay we need to also fit our own story into this um and the i I just wrote that down uh, in a big fat more Bible and kept communicating with the team. They all had access to the document. They would give feedback or other ideas that were just added. Uh, until the point where we were like, okay, this is this is definitely what we want to do. Uh, and with these rules, uh, everybody could start. So uh, our artists, for example, at every point when they were making a buildings or they were making uh, characters, I could always refer to that lore bible and said, okay, this character has those personality traits, or that's the backstory of this character, so how do I reflect that in the art? As for uh, the gameplay design, which is uh, my primary task, I would say uh, I'm still uh, a game designer at heart. The, The whole alchemy system was a toss-up of uh, two major factors. Uh, the biggest one was uh, our lead artists said, uh, look for, for the, the atmosphere and uh, just the general art direction I want to take. I don't want magic in our game. So no uh, fire bolts, no, no ice lances, none of that stuff, no lightning. And that landed in my lap uh, as, OK, you have to create an interesting combat system without magic. How are you going to do this? Uh, and the answer came in a YouTube video that I was watching about plague doctors and how they uh, theorized medicine uh, back in their days, being this uh, these four bodily fluids that would go into imbalance and that would cause all kinds of sicknesses. And I just jumped down the Wikipedia hole, as I'd like to call it, where you click article after article about every subject you come across. And that led to the creation of the alchemy system where it's not magic, it's medicine, just horribly interpreted, but really interesting for a game. So
1: That's pretty cool. I, I did not expect that answer. That, that, I mean, we all fall into that, that uh, vortex, and it, it's cool to see when you design something specifically because of the research that you fell into and literally fell into it.
2: I can recommend it to anyone to just keep clicking those links on Wikipedia. You come across the most interesting things you'll ever discover. Okay,
3: um, I was thinking about the folklore. How did you search for all that different folklore? Because I I think it's not the easiest to find all those
2: stories. Uh, it was definitely spread across multiple sources. So uh, Wikipedia uh, being being both fluent in english and in dutch you have this uh, amazing power to switch between the two languages and get completely different information uh and sometimes because uh, the folklore is from a specific region the article in the that region's language usually has more relevant info because it's contributed to more by people who know more about it um i think a lot of countries have this uh it's these archives of uh, stories just being filled in there to be preserved uh, as part of, of that country's culture. So uh, we we've looked up uh, for both Belgium and the Netherlands. Uh, we went into these archives and we just started reading and looking for interesting things, also more historically accurate events and uh, figures. Um, we wanted to include those as well. And all in all, we we found some, yeah, quite interesting stuff. Uh, I didn't know there were places in Belgium named after the the Neckers from The Witcher. Uh, really? Necker's by the way. Yeah, it's named exactly after that that folklore, which is both Polish and uh, Belgian, but they they have very different interpretations. But they're they're describing the same name and the same creatures. Uh so yeah, all super fascinating and just a very big charm of, of this entire business and this industry is uh you learn so much about the world while you're working on a game.
0: Um uh, Brian L mentions the owl house.
2: The owl house. The owl house.
1: I guess Brian L needs to better give us some Read more information, some more yeah. input on that.
3: Yeah. Also, I, I was thinking, like maybe it's a spoiler. I don't know, but do you have a favorite one?
2: Um. Probably while looking for it, it was Old Red Eyes in this case, um, because it was an absolutely brutal story that I've never even heard about. Uh, it involves a uh, village being terrorized by a big black dog that would just, yeah, tear people to shreds. And then one day, a woman was attacked by him, but it was um... she managed to fend him off with a tea towel she was carrying and managed to escape. Uh, the next day, in the village where people were discussing it, she noticed a man uh, who always smiled at her. And she noticed some frets between his teeth, from the tea towel. And that's how they identified the monster, who promptly decided to run away. They shot him, decided to skin skin him, and bury both him and his body and the skin separately. And old red eyes became this big black smoke monster that is now looking for his own skin that just uh, walks around the village. Uh, blazing red eyes, and I was reading through it, and I thought, "Why on earth have I never heard about this story? This this is something absolutely horrendously dark, and cruel, and I love it."
3: Yeah, I, I actually myself as well. Like, I don't hear a lot of folklore anymore. Um, probably because my parents didn't tell me, or something, or I didn't look for it. So uh, it's interesting to. Hear uh, the folklore from uh, from over here, actually, where uh, where we're based. Um, it's interesting, yeah. Um, and do you have like uh, a, a bad one as well that you don't like at
2: all, or uh, that you were like, eh, what's this? Uh, I I came across a lot of them that weren't really memorable because of how simple they were like oh uh, there's this this monster that goes out on the streets it's mostly the the stories primarily created to, to scare kids mm-hmm. uh and it was always just like oh this monster pops up at precisely your bedtime on the streets so don't go out there uh yeah it was those kinds of stories that did not have that that medieval I would always call it like peasant vibe to it, uh, where they just come up with outrageous stuff to to explain things to each other.
0: Okay. Well, now, um, did any did you guys from the studio? Did you go around the areas where you heard about the folklore to see what it looks like today? With the if there's still any um, nostalgia from the time periods, like if the the buildings still look the same, or any of the lands still look the same.
2: Uh, so we didn't necessarily go for the places where these stories took place, but for the the city's architecture and overall inspiration for uh, things like characters and dresses. Uh, we did go to the Rijksmuseum in Amsterdam uh and then some of our environment artists they uh visited like some of the major cities in Belgium like Ghent uh, or uh Bruges or Leuven uh just to get the the old architecture and the uh, the old buildings uh get some reference materials there uh so that's that's something we did do
0: oh that's really awesome it's it's really cool when you take that ti- kind of like time piece of that era and you you put it into something that's like a living game uh, like you did with black legend um are you allowed to say at this point in time how long of a playthrough an average playthrough would be
2: Uh, i've gotten this question a couple of times and i've tried to answer it but it is incredibly difficult to do and the reason for that is uh when you know where everything is in your game you kind of play through it really quickly <laughs> uh so especially if you're the designer and you know every ability what it does the most optimal way to play uh you end up becoming a speedrunner indirectly uh what I've answered in most cases is it took me a solid 10 hours to get through most of the main story okay. and I would I would add a modest free hours for some of the side content. And that is with me knowing where everything is. That's with me being very test-oriented. So uh, whenever I'm testing out the game, I try to break it, of course, by doing uh, specific things to make sure that uh, everything is working. Um, But I still have to reach that goal in a a more natural way. So. I would say that the average player will definitely get 15 hours out of the game to complete the story with uh with just the main story if they would actually go out of their way to get the most out of it that is very difficult to say um we we've already confirmed a a new game plus mechanic so you oh nice so that's uh if if you Finish the story, and you say like, "Okay, I want to go again, but I want to carry over all my my old progress." Then, yeah, you have a second playthrough. Um, certain things in the game can also change depending on the decisions you make here and there. Um, so, yeah, if you want to see what happens if I do this or uh, if I make this kind of character again, that that can add uh, different things. Of course, the achievement hunters uh, that will be given some tasks to complete to get them all of them. So, uh, at a minimum, I would say definitely fifteen hours.
1: So you said you did it in ten. Yeah, ten hours. All right. So all you speedrunners out there, the director can do it in ten. Let's see if you can beat that number.
2: Then will probably find some uh, <laughs> f- buildings they- glitch and teleport into the, the final boss room. <laughs> right yeah.
3: Without
1: yeah. glitches, let's let's find the let's see if you can beat the ten hours. Let's get, see I, if we can get a nine-hour speedrunner.
3: Have you seen my gameplay? Do you think it's like worthy of like a speedrunner?
0: Uh, Flemish, I, I've seen your gameplay, and I see you like go back and forth. So speedrunning, I think you've got a, a little bit of practice to get there.
2: it's also uh it definitely depends also on the the difficulty which is uh something i didn't really address in in my whole explanation but yeah if you get fully healed after every battle uh, on easy difficulty it's very different from uh managing your party on normal or even hard where uh you either have to heal by finding a quarter tree in the game or uh you, you have to use healing abilities in combat or po- farm potions even uh, to to keep your party topped up and make sure they don't die. OK,
3: yeah, I played on easy. So I, I didn't I, I didn't even look at the option. I just went in. Like, everything will be fine, I guess. Um, because I, I think that's mostly um, when they say, like, this is how the game is intended if you don't change anything. So. Uh, that, that, that was why I just went go and yeah, it seems that was uneasy then. <laughs> um, like I think it's very interesting with like the movement in the game. Uh, you have like the spots, like how much you can move, and then the attacks. But um, what I think was um, a little bit special about the uh, combat system in general is that. Um, like you can basically do one or two abilities and on the side you can move um but then you have like these these arrows with like different alchemy options like you were saying um I don't know
2: the exact names like kill elaborate a little bit on that for me uh we took inspiration from multiple games of course um at the same time we also looked at some other games and said we, we want to differentiate from those um, so for example, uh, one of the biggest inspirations I would say for our game was, uh, final fantasy tactics, which is, uh, it's quite aged now, but, um, definitely sort of the, the, the way we wanted to go with our class system, uh, and just giving these classes a distinct role rather than just one or two abilities that, uh, the, like a grenade and, uh, an overwatch. Or something like that. Uh, Dungeons and Dragons also play, played a big part in it, uh, mostly the, the freedom of movement that you have there, where you can move, act, uh, move again, do your bonus action. As long as you have a resource left, you can always use it. Uh, that's definitely sort of the flow we wanted in combat. And then in the other case, we looked at XCOM, and uh, something I did was just go to the reviews Go to the the negative reviews and just say, okay, what are the complaints about this game? And it was their their big focus on RNG. Um, And we just found it too simple. So uh, we said, okay, let's try to cut out as much RNG in our game as possible, uh, which you may have noticed. Uh, I think.
3: Yeah, I think that's the most interesting thing. Like I ex- expected this like um like a percentage based attack, like uh, you're gonna miss or you're gonna hit and that didn't happen at all. I think that's a very refreshing actually uh, to have that uh, sort of a uh combat going on uh, makes it also a little bit more calculable. like um, or, or you can calculate how the battle is going on and you can see like am I going to uh, like kill him in time before he like kills my character or uh, before I need to heal stuff so I, I think it's very well done the combat system is uh, if you like RTS uh, strategy games actually um, you're really gonna love this game
2: I feel. Yeah, we um... Because we have a big focus on melee, uh, the whole cover system was also reworked, where we said, "Okay, let's just make it very easy. Either you can target this unit or you can't. It's not going to be this percentage chance based on cover. Uh, And while we did want some random element, uh, which you may have noticed is the the critical hit system, even that we tried to make as uh, predictable as possible, where every time you don't get a crit, your adrenaline will go up to a point where you're guaranteed to crit, and you can plan around that a little bit. So um, I've said it on the stream already. One of the strategies is you use your bonus action first to get some adrenaline if you don't have any yet, and then you use your harder-hitting abilities just to, in case you get a critical hit chance. That's it's a minor optimization, but it's still something you, you think about, it, like, OK, if I first hit him with this quick punch and then I throw my dagger, that's two actions that will not be able to crit and then I can invest uh, that adrenaline into what uh, my, my bigger hit.
3: Okay, any more tips you have so I can
2: be uh, <laughs> <of> the game? <laughs> uh, yeah, just uh yeah, keep switching classes I would say, learn as many abilities as possible, stay versatile. Uh, try to uh, cover as many colors as possible on your team. Mm-hmm. Those are all, uh, all things that will help uh, the journey. OK, and
3: the last question before I get to the other panel members again. Uh, like Also, the weapon system. Like The weapon system is actually tied to your skills which is also something that I uh like uh, what was the inspiration from that uh part of the game
2: exactly uh, I mentioned Final Fantasy Tactics um there's actually two series of that uh there was the the PlayStation one and later this was ported to uh, the PSP under Final Fantasy Tactics War of the Lions Uh, abilities there you just use the unit in combat and they would get like separate ability XP that you could spend (laughs) Um, Later, when the the Game Boy Advance was a thing, uh, Final Fantasy Tactics Advance and uh, the subsequent sequel uh, were released. And it's that system that inspired uh, our game uh, in terms of learning the abilities. So all classes had these weapons that you had to get and give to the unit. Then as they entered combat and finished missions, they would uh, learn those abilities and then once completely learned, you could unequip the weapon, equip a new weapon. Uh, it's also where the, the cross-class system kind of came into play. And we just found it really interesting, because uh, the dagger you find at the beginning of the game still has some value. It's, it's not, oh, uh, I found something better. Now I will never need this dagger again. No, you need to learn the ability uh, if, you're, if you want a, a versatile character.
0: Now, um, is there any Easter eggs in the game that you can talk about?
2: (laughs) Uh, Some would argue that the whole reason to get into game development for many is to just get the excuse to put in Easter eggs. So um, (laughs) I've definitely been guilty. I know our late artist has been guilty of putting in stuff. i'd say the biggest fun with easter eggs is uh leaving it to people is leaving them behind and not telling people where they are so um yeah some of the quest names uh some people might recognize from uh certain anime series at the end of the day our team is seven nerds who uh i encourage at every opportunity they have to put in stuff they love or a nod to, to things they love um yeah there's there's a bunch of stuff in there uh and i'm looking forward to people finding them and calling them out like hey i recognize that thing
0: nice i'll be looking out for some stuff i can't wait i'm i am truly excited for this game uh i just i love the aesthetics of it i like the visuals of it i like the way that like the even the detail on the cobble the cobblestone streets like I thought that was pretty cool. I'm really into that kind of like old school architecture and design and I think you guys even for a small studio, I think you nailed this really really well um, I am surprised to be honest with you that it's it's oh, a seven man or seven person studio uh, because I would imagine like that some of this these buildings and architectures, might have taken a while to to develop, and um, just the fact that you guys are so small and got this done already uh, one year into development. I am mind blown uh, by the dedication and the love and the passion that you have for this game
2: yeah it's definitely a case um of sort of more old school development I would say where uh your limitations have to become your strength, and everything we do we uh, just calculated, OK, how can we implement the, these buildings as efficiently as possible? Uh, how can we, we use these assets to their maximum? And that just forces you to be so creative. And you, yeah, this is the result of that. Um, before, it was game developers trying to, to fit the, the entire game on their cartridge. Um, I'm sure many people know the stories of the first Pokemon games uh, being an incredible feat of programming uh, just because of how creative the the programmers were reusing as much as possible. And that is definitely in this case where a limitation like I don't want magic in my game uh, gives birth to uh, our current combat system.
1: So speaking of, before we are just talking about Easter eggs. Are there anybody from the studio as one of these characters? Have you used somebody's Ooh, face?
2: Good question. Uh, um, uh, the, our lead artist did use some uh, some of his favorite actors, I believe. Yes. Uh, some of the character faces after. Uh, I believe he used Joaquin Phoenix at some point. I swear I saw it on his monitor. Um as for ourselves um some of the the character names there are the random characters that you start with in the game may have familiar names if you went through the credits uh just because we could
1: uh, i would that's for sure
2: it's, it's it's something we just decided upon like hey let's just give a nod to ourselves at some point then uh i think if i can look at the yeah, I can already see in the gameplay footage too, names pop up of uh, people who worked on the game. <laughs> so. Really? Mm. Yeah,
1: I just remember Linehead Studios when they had uh, that one, the one guy that was uh, to win. So that's you know, it's always curious to see if anybody else is doing the same thing that we don't know of, and you know, always you know that was one of the questions I had written down. I was just waiting for a good time to ask that cause, you know we were looking through the character creation and and the NPCs, and just you know, curious that would, it was it's nice to know that you guys do give your guys a, a little bit of that you know, a uh, little extra credit, you know, with the name or a face.
2: Yeah hey, you know, um... element for us where you just even during development, you have to have a little bit of fun and this is the way to do it, we believe.
0: I'm just throwing this out there because this would be kind of fun for everybody watching or any of our fans out there. Um, If you ever need to create a villain in this game or, like, an end villain later on, you can name him Gregory Boivert, and then when the character goes to pronounce his name, you're like, I can't pronounce that. The
3: infamous I'm name. gonna
1: I'm gonna assume the two NPCs are basically the two of you. <laughs> <laughs>
3: um
2: Damn, I lost my question. Damn it. Okay. Um
3: Oh. Uh, what, what I want to say uh, this is just something uh, um, about Belgium in general uh, Holland um, also a little bit but not so much I think. I, I don't know exactly but like um, w- when you look at these buildings right from the 1600 and Menna knows what I'm talking about um, like 17, 1800 um, here in Belgium we have actually that architectural style still in our main city. Um, so for everyone that loves this kind of stuff, you have to come to Belgium to actually, uh, see these kind of buildings and stuff. Um, and I, I think it's really well done in the, in the game as well. Like how they look and stuff, um, really, really well represented, um, a little bit of a piece like that. So, uh,
2: yeah. Yeah. As I said, uh, there's, it was just. A no-brainer. Uh, Belgium is a very small country with a one-hour train ride here. You can easily reach every major city. Yep. Uh, just, uh, it would seem like a waste not to use direct reference material when it's so readily available. So we just send our artists on a trip with a camera. And yeah, this is the result.
3: Hmm. It was also more for the other persons to know. Um that uh, they know a little bit more about Belgium <laughs> of course. I mean <laughs> you have to represent your own, own country as well so. <laughs> yeah, anyone else?
0: Uh... Um, Have you guys thought about programs because I know from what I read this game is coming to PCs and consoles. Um, have you guys thought about programs like PS Plus or Game Pass for
2: this? Uh, that's something I, I can't really answer, as in okay. uh, it's usually the the service itself that approaches you, uh, or you, you have to approach them. But it's not just an instant, like, hey, can you put our game on there? Uh, as a small indie studio, uh, your voice isn't that loud yet.
3: OK. Are you thinking about, uh, like, are is the studio thinking about maybe contacting them, uh, about maybe bringing it, bringing it to consoles?
2: Uh, I'm... I'm sorry, Meno, go ahead. Yeah, I was I was trying to ask him, well, in what sense? Um, we we have a plan for, for all the, what is it now, the current generation, so the, the PlayStation 4 and the Xbox One and then the the upcoming generation as well. Um, most of our focus is to just have it available on those platforms uh, as best we can, uh, and of course, the Switch. And mm. uh, finally, PC, uh, we're going to see what platforms. Obviously, Steam is a big one. Uh, if we can get it to more, uh, we're all about choice. That's just if, if you have a certain platform uh, and we can offer an experience on that platform, where we figure, why not do it? And we always try to contact as many people as possible regarding that, like, hey, uh, would you like to feature our game uh, on your platform?
0: Have you had a chance to um, try your game, like on any of the, uh, the next gen dev kits, like the Xbox Series S or X or the PS5? Uh,
2: they're not in yet, unfortunately. Okay. Um, yeah, we're we're keeping a close eye on uh, all the development news we get there, of course, uh, and just making sure that as soon as we get it, uh, our game is ready to be tested on those platforms.
0: Okay, I'm I'm pretty excited to be honest with you because I know that next gen is almost around the corner, and I know at least with Xbox, it sounds like. You know Microsoft is making it easy if it works on Xbox one that it should work on the series s or X uh, just as easily so I'm hoping from a dev standpoint that it works that way for you guys with your game because I'd be I'm, to be honest with you I'm very excited to play this on multiple platforms um, I would probably get this on the switch the Xbox one X um, and PC as well uh, just so I can play it in multiple places like that.
2: Now, what what's the highest
1: resolution quality that you're you guys are aiming for with this? Uh,
2: so far, I believe the highest we've tested on is uh, 1440p, uh, and that already seems to run smoothly. Um, can't say too much about about higher quality like the the full 4K stuff. Uh, That will still require a bit more testing. Uh, But so far, uh, most of our builds are all running rather smooth. We're we're not noticing any any hiccups or anything. Um, So at a minimum, I can say we're trying to guarantee 1440p, 60fps, uh, just baseline. Oh, that's great. That's
1: awesome.
2: For the the PC and the major consoles, the Switch obviously uh, isn't quite as powerful, but even there, we're going to try to get it as smooth as possible.
3: OK. And uh, about the new bells and whistles from like the new consoles, the new uh, tech that's coming out, like ray tracing and stuff. Are you going to maybe use that uh, in the future? Are you thinking about that?
2: Uh, hard to say, again. Um, right now, we're just looking at, at Black Legend trying to, to get the most out of uh, the current tools and plans uh, by release. And after that, we're going to have to see if uh, if we want to we've expanded enough for the next project, we can see what all kind of crazy techs we can try to use. Uh, but for the most part, we're just focusing on Black Legend right now.
1: Now, uh, I must have missed it. Either that or I forgot. Now, you've been designing this for, or building the game for two years
2: uh, or one year? One year.
1: One year, OK. So I mean, all in all, with what you guys are doing for one year, with seven people at the resolution you guys are going for, the frame rates per second, the, the history that you guys have gone back through and filtered out. I mean, it, it's, a, it's an accomplishment for a feat of this size. It's, it's, I mean, I gotta applaud you guys. And, and the games, the, you know, still looks interesting to play. I'm watching this and I'm still watching Flamish make the same mistakes over and over again. Because <laughs> obviously we're watching the, the playback again, but it's 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 so intriguing that you know I, I watched the the trailers, I watched the 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 two videos you guys had uh, of the the gameplay breakdown, and, and it was really cool to see all this. And, and no, you know, knowing more information about it is is is, is definitely a good thing because now you can actually appreciate. The work of, of everything you guys have done with, like I said, such a small team and such quality work. And the gameplay, like I said, just different and, and at the same time somewhat familiar. It's, it's really cool to, to hear all this and see it in action.
2: Thank you for the kind words. That's all I can say. Uh, it's, it's definitely been a, a passion project for every member of the team. Uh, we're all. Really excited to be working on something like this, um, and we all may have our individual reasons, be it a, the passion for the art and the architecture, or in my case, like you said, creating a gameplay system that feels both different yet familiar, which is what you need to go for with an indie game. Um, yeah, all of it—it's just
0: passion. Do you have a projected
2: release date? Um, that is something I, uh, I believe we said early 2021. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's not that far off. Um, I was hoping
1: more of a definitive answer, but yes. <laughs> we'll get what we can. Right. <laughs> that's something
2: uh, you're going to have to get used to when you do yeah. interviews. Vague answers.
1: Nah, yeah, no, that's quite all right. We, you know, we know, but we got to try sometimes, you know, you gotta, you, even though you know the answer you got to ask because you know people in the chat or people listening later on are like why didn't you ask this you should have asked this so we got to throw out some of those questions even though we already know uh the answer you know it's just one of those things
0: um is there is there anything that you want people to know about the game so far that maybe um hasn't been asked or um that you think might come the future that people might ask
2: uh, trying to think here because <laughs> uh, we've been I been talking for quite some time now uh, let's see what was I think we we've covered most of it um, if you're you're interested in the game uh, all I can ask is which uh, list does on Steam. Uh, it gives us feedback. It lets us know uh, how many people are interested in the game, and um, it it just serves as a really valuable metric for us to. Yeah, to I'm
1: do doing that, that right now.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah, well, <laughs> so yeah. I'm yeah doing that too. In the future, if if we notice that a lot of people are wishlisting it, and we see the the interest in the game grow, then the decision of like should we make a sequel or uh, should we plan a DLC that. That just enters the whole, uh, uh, yeah, the meeting space that we will have when discussing the next project. So,
3: do you also have a prize in mind, or is that still discussable,
2: uh, intern? That is uh, still being discussed.
3: Okay. Right.
2: Is there any closing
3: topics, guys?
2: Um,
0: VJ in the chat says visuals remind him of a foggy. Shoreditch and foggy, eighteen forties,
2: East London. Uh, it's England. It's always foggy. I was going to say he's a teacher. <laughs> 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 no. Um.
3: Yeah. I. I. I think. Um. We. We are. Um. I think we're at the end of the interview then, Klaus. Right. Um. Uh, well, I wanted to ask Jerpo. Uh, do you have any other
0: questions you want to ask, General?
1: Well, uh, let's see. One of my favorite questions to ask is, right. when you need the the next voiceover actor, can you look me up? <laughs>
2: <laughs> if, you, if you send a link to your uh, voices.com page, we'll, uh, we'll save it somewhere.
1: Uh, okay, I'm working on that too. So. But no, no it, it, I truly appreciate uh taking the time with us and and you know discussing things i actually learned a lot more than than i thought i knew because you know i I guess once i found out i was like okay now i really need to look into this because i was already looking into it and i was interested and all right you know we'll see but it's a it's really really cool to, to to get to know more about all this and 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 see how much more in depth there is into not just creating the game, just the, 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 the facts behind the game. you know the, like I said before, you got it's a team of seven. you know you guys are wearing multiple hats trying to you know coordinate within the pandemic and, and trying to social distance at the same time and remote and at the same time, you know, you're in, in the office and dealing with all this and, and creating such a beautifully looking game. With, with the detail, especially when you said, even with uh, War Party, you went from one design and changed it to a different design uh, when it came out to Black Legends. You didn't want to have that, uh, what was it, cartoony feel to it. So you wanted to make sure that you stepped up your game. So it was really cool to, to like I said, talk with you and, and learn more about the game and, and be more invested in it.
2: Uh, it's... It's an opportunity for us as well. Uh, like I said, we're all very passionate about it, and we want to share this with the world. And it, it's interviews like these, and podcasts, and people discussing the game that gets the message out there. So yeah, for us, it's it's also really, really nice of you guys to, to invite us over uh, to come talk here. And um, what else did I want to say? Um, yeah, at the end of the day, this is more personal, but a, a more transparent game industry, I believe, still makes for a, a better industry where you can get the stories behind the, the games that you're buying, uh, that you're interested in. Uh, for me personally, that's always the, the more interesting part. And I think uh, yeah, a lot more people would benefit from just knowing uh, how games are made, and what goes into it, the creation of one.
0: I agree. And I think that, you know, from my perspective, I think that there's a lot of more heart and soul when it comes to smaller studios and indie studios and what they put into their games. It's not, you know, some big corporate manufacturer where they just have multiple and tens of hundreds of writers to come up with something. It's, you know, it's like a heart and soul project where the small studio, the people get together and they're like, all right, how are we going to do this? And they just go from design to concept to, you know, initial alphas and betas. And it's just, the process to me is just so much more interesting because of all the love that goes into something like this. So thank you for making this awesome game. And I am really excited for its release.
2: Uh, Thank you guys for uh, giving us another platform for exposure. That's all I can say. Anytime. So uh, first of all, guys,
3: uh, if you know this game, you can actually download the demo on Steam at the moment uh, because of the the special stuff that's going on on Steam. Uh, the exact words uh, slip my mind at the moment. Um, and no, for me as well. Like I really want to thank you for coming on the show. Um, it's a really a pleasure to actually have a little bit more insight um on one of these smaller studios um like indie studios it's um and indeed like clowns is saying like the passion you always see that more in those indie studios and that's what i love about indie in general so uh we thank you my pleasure (laughs) um
0: and meno i did put uh all war caves links in the description of the video but can you tell people that are listening where they can find you
2: uh, they can't. It's nice and simple. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, because uh, the menu I found on Twitter, I didn't think that was you.
2: Yeah, I, I noticed the ad menu. It's like I don't know what they found, but it's not me. <laughs> oh no, no I, I. There's no uh, personal social media or anything for me. Uh, So just War Cave on Twitter, I guess. Uh, Yeah, if I can chill for something, it would probably be just our official pages. So we uh, have the the War Cave Facebook page, uh, our Twitter, and our Instagram page. Uh, We just try to update every few days, uh, providing all kinds of stuff. When we're going live, uh, if the the store page has been updated, uh, or just random development trivia, like I discussed uh, in this talk, uh, sometimes we throw that up as well. Uh, so, yeah, we're following if you're interested in the game.
0: Awesome. And uh, DreadPool, where can people find you?
1: Uh, you can find me on Twitter as uh, DreadPool, all caps, all letters. Uh, actually, the, zero, the O's are actually zeros. And um, you can find me on Wednesday nights with uh, the uh, Game and Beyond the Box crew. Uh, eight uh, excuse me, eight p.m. Eastern, uh, Friday mornings on breakfast. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm getting my stuff mixed up. <laughs>
0: That's all right.
1: With uh, what was it? Uh, breakfast with Boom. Yep. And 10 a.m. Eastern, and then my own thing on uh, basically Spotify, Anchor, Apple iTunes, uh, was Apple Podcasts. It's uh, Breaking Bread with Dread. It's all under Dreadpool. So just look for that there. And as always, my DMs are open.
0: And Flemish, aka Gregory Goebertz, who taught me the one Flemish word of candy. What was it like? Spoonderhood?
3: No, Snoophood.
0: Snoophood, okay. <laughs> there you go. Snoophood.
3: That's the only word I learned. Uh, where can people oh, find you? you. Okay, so first of all you can find me on my Twitter account, uh, Um It's also in the description below, it's be- below my name in the video um, Second, I have my own um, account, Flemish, of course uh, where, where I sometimes uh, post a video about game games And um, then I have my Sunday show, The Flemish Experience Which I also uh, do on my own channel as well and the rest of the week it's like reviews like um reviews that are coming up. Um gameplay, uh live streams and uh interviews like this. So uh and that's on uh four guys for guys with corpus like yeah. So
0: and you can all find me at Italian Clowns Below with a Z and Gregory gleverts forgot to say retro renegades on Tuesday nights. Uh but don't worry graphic <laughs> god, I said it for him. And then you can find me on uh, Mr. Boomstick and Friends, Mondays, Nights, Game on the Box, 8 p.m. Wednesday nights. Um, sometimes uh, Retro Renegades. And I feel like I'm missing some other stuff. But just look up Italian Clowns uh, everywhere. And thank you so much, Meadow, for coming out and talking with us. Um, it's been a real pleasure with you and uh, just learning, you know, a lot of this stuff that goes into it and... Like I said, I think we're all looking forward to the release on this. And, I, you know, if Xbox or PlayStations listen, I know you can't say anything. But I do hope that they do approach you for those awesome programs and give you guys some opportunity and exposure.
2: Uh, thank you for the kind words.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. And to everybody in the chat, we'll see you next time. Yeah, see ya.